because of the deceit of religion and the darkness of politics. He was delivered to death. He was proved to be without fault, but religion and politics were exposed to be dark, deceitful, and corrupt. Welcome to Life Study, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. Life Study is a study of the Bible emphasizing life. Jesus said in John 6:63, "The words I have spoken to you are spirit and are life." Life Study is the fruit of over 70 years of ministry by Watchman Nee and Witness Lee. Watchman Nee began this ministry in China in the 1920s and continued it until his imprisonment and eventual martyrdom. Witness Lee brought this ministry to the United States in 1962. Before we join Witness Lee with today's life study of the Gospel of John, we would like to give you our toll-free number through which you may obtain a free copy of today's message. That toll-free number is one eight 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 Life Study. Again, that's one eight 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 five four three three seven eight eight. Joining us on the program again today is Ron Kangas. Ron has been an editor with Living Stream Ministry for over twenty-two years. Ron, we've come today to the section of John eighteen through twenty, dealing with the Lord's death on the cross and His resurrection. Generally, we consider the Lord's death in relationship to the work of redemption, but we will see once again today that this gospel, though certainly not minimizing the redemptive aspect, has another emphasis: the release and multiplication of life which resulted from Christ's death. If we could prevail upon you again, would you kindly give us a word of introduction? We hope that all of our listeners would appreciate the fact that in our ministry on the Gospel of John, we by no means、uh, minimize the central place of the Lord Jesus as our Redeemer, and we by no means minimize His death as the unique redemptive death. The Gospel of John, in its very first chapter, speaks of Christ as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, and in chapter three, verse fourteen, he is presented as the fulfillment of the type of the bronze serpent. He was the one who was made sin for us. But that very reference in John three fourteen, in context. Points to another aspect of Christ's death, which receives particular emphasis in the Gospel of John, the Gospel of Life. John three fifteen and of course sixteen go on to say that if we believe in this one, who died as our Redeemer, we will have eternal life. Eternal life, we would remind you. Is not merely an everlasting state of existence after death; rather, it is the life of God, the divine life, the uncreated life. So, what we're endeavoring to point out is that the particular emphasis in John is the impartation of the divine life. We're told that life was in the Lord, and that He. Himself was life, and that He came to give life. Now, in these chapters, we see a crucial transaction 
in which the life that was in the Lord as the God-man was released through his death to be imparted into us through and by and in his resurrection. This is important to realize as we study the record in chapters 18 through 20. Furthermore, this gospel as a gospel of signs reveals something most significant in chapter 19, verse 34, that out of the Lord's pierced side came blood and water. This points to the two crucial aspects of his death. The blood is for redemption. Based upon the redemptive aspect of his death, we have the divine life signified by the water that flowed out of him. And this life, according to John 12, 24, is for the Lord's multiplication. So the particular focus in this gospel on Christ's death is not merely redemption, but the release of life for the multiplication of life, that there will be the increase of Christ, the bride of Christ, revealed in chapter 3. Let's join Witness Lee for today's life study of John 18 through 20. Now, we're come to spend some time on the process. Let me check with you. Don't you appreciate this uh, title here, Life Process for Multiplication? I like these two words, processed. Multiplication. Later on, we will see exactly these four chapters, 18, 19, 20, 21, show us there was a process that the very life had undergone for the multiplication of life. One grain has been multiplied into many grains. One unique, only begotten son has been multiplied into many sons. Later on, when we get on chapter 20, we will see this unique, one only begotten son eventually has many brothers. And the many brothers are his multiplication. How he could get this multiplication by passing through the process of death and resurrection. Life processed for multiplication. I like this also. Delivering himself in voluntary boldness to be processed. You know, in his long message, chapter 14, 15, 16, he made the process so clear. Then he prayed for the process. And after he prayed, he took the lead to go to that garden. According to the record of Matthew, Wrote and so forth. He went there to pray. But John doesn't give you such a record. 
John didn't tell you that Jesus went into the garden and prayed. No. John's record is to show you he presented himself to the process. He wasn't there, according to John's record, not to pray, but to be arrested. He went to the slaughter. He presented himself to the dead. It was not that he was hiding himself. And Judas, the betrayer, and all the soldiers were hunting for him. It was not like this. But what? He went to the garden, waiting there for the arrest. He presented himself to the process. So this means what? This means he delivered himself. I say in voluntary boldness to be processed. When they said, we are here seeking for the Nazarene Jesus, he said, I am. I tell you, this threatened them to draw back and fall to the ground because they all know this is the name of Jehovah. My goodness, what are we doing here? We are come to arrest Jehovah? They were threatened to death. He didn't run away. As they drew back and fell to the ground, he didn't take the chance and run away. <laughs> then he still asked them, what are you doing? Whom do you seek? Whom do you seek? Then he told them again, I am. In a sense, brothers, don't think they arrested the Lord. No, the Lord handed himself over to them. I have to break in here, Ron. It seems that at every turn, this gospel and our current study of it provokes us to reconsider all of our old and natural understandings. Now we have another profound thought, that beyond the Lord Jesus having a willingness to be arrested and go to the cross for our redemption, to use Witness Lee's phrase, he delivered himself in voluntary boldness, not just to be crucified, but to be processed. Can you elaborate? I wish to elaborate on two aspects of this. The first is, he delivered himself in voluntary boldness. Consider the record in chapter 18. They ask about him, and he replies, I am. As soon as he pronounces the words, I am, which refer to himself as Jehovah, those who came to seize him fell backwards, even they fell on the ground. This indicates that the one they were arresting was the very God in the flesh as the God-man. Surely, if such a marvelous one did not deliberately want to be arrested, judged, and crucified, no one could have touched him. So he was there in the garden in perfect peace and composure, 
voluntarily delivering himself into the hands of sinful people. This, we would point out, is the actual fulfillment of his word back in chapter 10. The Lord said, I lay down my life. This is verse 17. I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it away from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have authority to lay it down. This makes it very clear that even though the Lord is the very God in the flesh, he in boldness, voluntarily and willingly delivered himself to arrest and crucifixion. This is the first point I would stress here. The second is this marvelous and crucial word, processed. We use this word to point out the spiritual significance of the physical act of the Lord's redeeming death, his death on the cross. Remember, two others were crucified with him. We would not call their death a process. Their death, deserved as criminals, was an execution. Surely they would have avoided it if they could. But the Lord's crucifixion was part of a process. He referred to this process in chapters 14 through 16, when he pointed out that although he was among the disciples, he could not be in them, so he would need to go through death and come again through resurrection as the pneumatic Christ, as the spirit of reality, in order to be in them as their life. So the word process shows that the Lord, along with incarnation and human living, in his death to be followed by resurrection, was taking a crucial step as part of a long process in order to get into his believers, to make them his body, his bride, and ultimately the new Jerusalem. Now we can put these two things together, the Lord's boldness and the Lord's process. The Lord knew exactly what he was doing, he knew that he was about to die not only for redemption, but also for the release of life. He knew he would be resurrected, and thus, as the pneumatic one, be able to be in us. So with a clear view of the process, not only of redemption as a means, but of the goal of becoming the life-giving spirit in resurrection to dwell in us, with this clearly in view, he presented himself to be arrested, to be tried, to be crucified, to be buried, knowing that that would not be the end. In resurrection, he would triumph, and in resurrection, as the life-giving spirit, he would fulfill the goal of his process. So this word process is not arbitrary. It's crucial in that it points out the intrinsic significance of the Lord's crucifixion in relation to God's eternal economy. Let's return to Witness Lee. Now, he was examined in his dignity. Really so. He was examined in his dignity 
by mankind. Here we need the type again. You know, the day when the Lord Jesus was crucified was exactly the Passover day. The Passover day. And he was the lamb of the Passover. According to Tab, the Passover lamb before being killed had to pass the examination to find whether there is some blemish. Now, this tab was fully fulfilled that Christ as the Passover lamb was now under the mankind's examination. And after the examination, Pilate declared that there's no blemish with this Passover lamb. He couldn't find any fault whatsoever in this lamb. This lamb is perfect. It's fully qualified to be the Passover lamb for God's people. While he was being examined or judged, I tell you, the judging one, the high priest, was judged by him. The judging one eventually was judged by the judge in his dignity. In those verses, you can see the dignity of this judged one. He had no fear. He had nothing to fear of. He was in his dignity. Talked to the judging high priest. And eventually, that high priest was judged by him. It's quite meaningful. The Passover lamb was examined. Eventually, the examiner was examined by the lamb. <laughs> you are examining me whether I am perfect or not, some blemish or not, but do you know what you are examining me? Your blemish got exposed. Firstly, he was examined according to the law of God in the Jewish religion. And they didn't find any fault. Rather, their fault got exposed. Secondly, he was examined by the politics according to the law of the Roman Empire. Pilate, as a governor of the Roman Empire, he knew that Jesus was not wrong in anything. But the voices of the people subdued him. So he was not honest, he was not faithful, he was not genuine, he was false. Eventually, the Lord Jesus, as the perfect one, yet was sentenced. Sentenced immense injustice. Let's pause here again, Ron. I thought that it was very interesting in this section how the process involved nearly every detail of the Lord's death experience, and especially how that just as the Passover lamb was examined for defects, he presented himself both to religion and to man's law for examination. 
Did you also find this point interesting? Yes, this is interesting and this is quite revealing. The Lord died as the Lamb of God, as the reality of the Passover Lamb. Just as the Passover Lamb had to be examined in order to be proved to be without defect, the Lord was examined by the religionists, as the other Gospels indicate, and by the political system of the day. And it's very significant that neither religion nor politics could find anything wrong with this wonderful one. Three times Pilate declared, I find no fault in him. But even though he was proved to be faultless, he was nevertheless, because of the deceit of religion and the darkness of politics, he was delivered to death. One little footnote here, apparently he was being examined. Actually, by being examined, he, in his purity, was exposing the corruption of both religion and politics. So although he was on trial, in effect, religion and politics were on trial. He was proved to be without fault, but religion and politics were exposed to be dark, deceitful, and corrupt. Let's return to Witness Lee. Here's one most striking point. That is, while he was being crucified, he told his disciple, that was John, Behold your mother. And he told his mother, Behold your son. Only this gospel keeps such a record. All the other three don't. Why? Listen to this. Many Bible students do know that on the cross, the Lord Jesus had seven words. He spoke seven words on the cross. Do you know the first word? Father, forgive them because they don't know what they are doing. That was the first word. And then another word he spoke to one of the two thieves. Today you will be with me in a paradise. These two words all were recorded not in John, but in Luke. Why? Because Luke is a gospel proving that Jesus is the savior of the sinners. Father, forgive them. This is a prayer for the sinners. Today you will be, though you are thief, yet you will be with me in the paradise. This is why this is a gospel promised to the saved sinners. It's quite meaningful. But here in John, the record is different. What different? The difference is this. Jesus was being crucified. For what? For the transfer of life. For the transfer of life. He was being crucified to impart his life into his disciples. Eventually, his disciples will become he. 
You see the point? So one of his disciples could be his mother's son. And his mother could be this disciple's mother. This is an indication of what? Of the transfer of life. This is not a case showing salvation. But this was a case implying the transfer of life. Could you follow me? Now you can see this gospel is not a gospel of salvation, mainly speaking, but a gospel of life transferred into all the believers. Ron, again, we are pointing to a portion that appears uniquely in John's gospel, and it gives us a window into the emphasis of this gospel. We have the tender scene during the crucifixion, that between the Lord and Mary, his earthly mother, and John himself. And this interaction shows us something of, as Witness Lee describes, life's transfer. What is the transfer of life? We should notice that the Lord said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. And he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour the disciple took her into his own home. In an attempt to elaborate on and perhaps clarify the expression, life's transfer, let's use the expression life union. In the natural life, Mary was the Lord's mother and had no life relationship with John, one of the Lord's disciples. But when the Lord said, Woman, behold your son, and he said to John, Behold your mother, he was pointing out that as the result of his life-releasing death and life-imparting resurrection, there would now be a life relationship among the believers that transcends the relationship in the natural life. So there is a transfer of life in the sense that the divine life that was in the Lord only was imparted both to his mother and to his disciple, bringing about between them, as part of the household of God, a genuine union of life. And in that life union, John would care for the mother of Jesus as if she were his own mother. This is a very tender and touching and revealing portion, showing us that our relationship as believers should not remain in a natural level, but rather we need to realize that we have been born of God, we have received the life of God, we are brothers and sisters in the Lord, and we are members of the household of God. And in this union, this life union, we care for one another tenderly and lovingly, truly in the family of God. God is our Father, and we have many mothers, brothers, and sisters in the life union, in the eternal life of God, released through the Lord's death and imparted through His resurrection. Thank you, Ron. If you would like a free copy of today's Life Study message, call toll-free at 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's one 888 543-3788 or write us at Living Stream Ministry 
P.O. Box 2121, Anaheim, California, 92814. Or visit us at our website at www.lsm.org. Our number again is 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. Thank you for listening.